Support for my fellow Kansans and the following message comes from the Kansas Leadership Center, offering leadership development training in Wichita, Kansas City, and online. Use promo code MFK for a registration discount. Leadership for the common good. KansasLeadershipCenter.org. Head down the Kansas Turnpike this campaign season, and you're bound to see a sign tucked just inside the fence line of a field or pasture, a large red, white, and blue sign that says, Chris Kobach, consistent conservative. The Republican nominee for governor has earned that self-assigned label by, among other things, taking a hardline stand on hot-button issues like abortion, taxes, and an issue that he has a particular affinity for, immigration. We have to get serious about enforcing the law against those who come in illegally. It's absolutely critical that we would return the rule of law to immigration. I testified before That the could House be Christians audio from this year's campaign, but it isn't. It's from a debate back in 2004 when Kobach was running for Congress. He lost that election, but he didn't go away. He became Secretary of State in 2010. And now Kobach's one of the favorites in a governor's race that appears headed for a photo finish. I'm Jim McLean, and this is My Fellow Kansans, a podcast from the Kansas News Service. On this episode, we'll turn the spotlight on Chris Kobach, the full-throttle conservative, another self-assigned characterization, whose goal is to keep Kansas among the reddest of the nation's red states. If I'm your governor of Kansas, you'll have conservative results. Number one, we will cut taxes. Number two, we will end illegal immigration in Kansas. Number three, we will protect unborn life in Kansas. We will end the culture of corruption in Topeka, and we will be the number one state in protecting gun rights in America. He admires the president. America has changed forever, and we can now say on The Chris Kobach Show, President Trump. Doesn't that sound good? President Trump? Oh, I know some liberals listening are just, it's getting under their skin already. Like Trump, Kobach delights in confronting his political opponents, sometimes going out of his way to rile them up. His penchant for riding in parades in a Jeep mounted with a replica machine gun is just one example. I think Kansas needs a, uh, a conservative fighter in the office who won't back down when liberals in the media or snowflakes uh, at, on a parade route start attacking conservatives for doing what we do, which is stand by American traditional values. Um, we need a governor. When the lefties attack, he hits right back. And so I didn't back down when they complained about that Jeep. I doubled down. And now we're taking that Jeep to every parade we can. Kobach's confrontational style was also front and center at the Kansas State Fair debate. It's always a raucous event because each candidate has his or her own cheering section. But Kobach added to the bedlam by taking on the crowd in addition to his opponents. He got into it with the crowd when responding to a question about whether to legalize medical marijuana. California legalized medical marijuana first, and it just became a gateway for recreational marijuana. We do not need to legalize marijuana, and we will not legalize marijuana on my administration. Go eat some Doritos. Come on. Yes, you heard that right. Kobach told the heckling crowd to, quote, go eat some Doritos. <laughs> hey, I enjoy a good debate. I, uh, I, I enjoyed debating in high school, debating in college, you know, Part of the fun of debating is having a witty retort, and uh, I, I enjoy it. I don't. I, I think mind, I did, are you demonizing the other side, no, or you just have, no? They were. Remember what was happening at the state fairs. Uh, at, at one point, uh, the the cheering section for the Democrats was so agitated uh, about things I'd been saying, things he had been saying about medical marijuana and about school spending. 
namely that lavish spending on buildings and administration are cutting into classroom resources and shortchanging students. You probably have a recording of it. And I we said, do. I said, <laughs> let's, do a, let's do a quick math problem. Let's imagine you have a classroom of 25 students, and we spend $14,000 per student. That's 33, I know you don't like math, but just listen. And they started billing. That's, that's $350,000. Now the teacher's salary and the computers, oh, they really don't like math. They don't like logic either. How about rational thought? And then there was a little bit of a back and forth with the audience. No, I, I think it, I think debating's fun. I, I do enjoy intellectual combat, so to speak. I think it's fun. So much is being made of our tribal politics in this country these days and how mean and bitter and partisan it's gotten. And certainly no one would accuse you of shrinking you from, from your position. You're, you know, you're bloody it, aggressive, but you don't seem to do it with the kind of malice that you see. Exactly. See, you can be uh, an aggressive defender of your position without being mean, without using ad hominem attacks against the other person. I think that was one of the wonderful things about high school debate in Kansas for me, and in a broader sense, wonderful things about the way politics used to be, when you could have a robust disagreement and then then come together afterwards, shake hands, and go have dinner together. You know, I think that's important. We need to treat each other with respect. We need to be friendly as we disagree, and I, that's just the way I am. I, I would never... Uh, attack someone personally or try to assassinate uh, an opponent's character. It's just wrong. I mean, we should treat people with respect. But there are plenty of people who say that Kobach's habit of referring to political rivals as lefties, libs, and snowflakes is in fact malicious. And he's been dogged by charges about racist overtones in his claims about immigration and voter fraud, claims he's used to propel his political career. Why are Kansans turning from Chris Kobach? Look who's supporting him. People and groups tied to white supremacists gave Kobach thousands. One even hired Kobach. It's true, an extremist group hired Kobach to file a frivolous lawsuit against the state of Kansas. That ad from the 2004 congressional campaign touched off a testy exchange. In a debate between Kobach and his opponent in that race, Democratic Congressman Dennis Moore. With his character assassination attempt, he not only hurts my reputation, he hurts my family, and this is something that the third district voters do not deserve, the cheap politics of personal destruction. Second, the so-called frivolous lawsuit that I brought was to block implementation of Kansas Bill 2145, which gives in-state tuition to illegal aliens. That was a direct violation of a 1996 act of Congress. You may not have known about it because you weren't in Congress yet, but that act forbids a state from giving in-state tuition to illegal aliens unless the state gives in-state tuition to all U.S. citizens. Your chance to respond, Congressman Moore. I want to read you what the Kansas City Star said on October 14. Kobach has received support from several groups like Team America, which says on its website that if the United States opens its borders, quote, our island of productivity and prosperity will soon disappear beneath a flood of third world squalor. And Mr. Kobach signed, got $1,000 from that group and signed a pledge that says this, I will support a timeout on immigration until serious reforms can be enacted. There are people in this country would have you believe that every immigrant is a terrorist. It's just not the case. Just not the case, Mr. Kobach. Kobach remains opposed to granting in-state tuition to undocumented students who graduate from Kansas high schools even though repealing the rule would cost state universities more than it would save. $4 million this year alone. I'll end in-state tuition for illegal aliens, and we'll use that money to help Kansas students. Kobach certainly is consistent in his conservatism. He's repeated his arguments so often over so many years, it's like they're his mantras. 
He says non-citizens are taking our jobs, stealing our resources, and infiltrating our elections. He's persuaded small towns far from Topeka, Fremont, Nebraska, Valley Park, Missouri, and Hazleton, Pennsylvania, to hire him to defend anti-immigration ordinances. He drafted a law for Arizona that makes it a crime to be in that state without papers, and consulted with Joe Arpaio, the controversial former sheriff, on how to enforce it. I'd like to start by recognizing our distinguished vice chair, the Kansas Secretary of State, uh, Chris Kobach. Uh, and uh, Mr. Secretary, you... In 2017, Kobach was an obvious uh, choice to help lead President Trump's commission on voter fraud. For your opening remarks. <clears throat> it's a, indeed a great honor to serve as vice chairman of this commission. Uh, the charge of the commission is a significant one, uh, as the president outlined, to study the threats to the integrity of our elections, to quantify those threats if possible, and if it's the will of the commission to offer recommendations to the president to help ensure the integrity of future elections in this country. Well, that commission was dismantled before producing any findings or recommendations. And then, just as Kobach was getting his campaign for governor off the ground, the ACLU hauled him into federal court. The lawsuit challenged the law that Kobach said was needed to stop what he and few others insist is rampant voter fraud in Kansas, a law that required voters to show proof of citizenship to register. Secretary of State Chris Kobach got a tongue-lashing today from the judge who'll decide whether he can block voters who lack documentation such as passports proving their citizenship. Remember station KCUR, so Yopis Jepsen has more. Judge Julie Robinson accused Secretary Kobach of gamesmanship. In the nearly two years since she ordered him to register tens of thousands of voters who signed up through the DMV, Robinson said she's had to repeatedly monitor his actions to try to get him to comply. It proved to be an embarrassing few weeks for Kobach. He failed to produce evidence that a substantial number of non-citizens are on the voter rolls and voting, and the judge frequently chastised him and his legal team for making rookie mistakes. Then there was the outcome. A federal judge has struck down a Kansas law that require proof of U.S. citizenship in order to register to vote. The ruling is a blow to the Secretary of State. Not only did Kobach, and by extension the state, lose the case, the judge held him in contempt for not following earlier court orders. But like President Trump so often does, Kobach went on the offensive, turning what could have been a body blow into a political advantage. Now the ACLU is attacking me and our laws, seeking to weaken our election security but I won't back down. Lorraine Maniti researches voter fraud at Rutgers University, and she was an expert witness for the ACLU at the trial. I've been researching it since 2001. Over that time, she's found that actual voter fraud, particularly non-citizens voting, is rare. But allegations continued to gain currency, leaving Maniti to ask why. Why, if it's not happening, do people think it's happening? And What's that relationship between allegations and the actual evidence? And I I offer my own political analysis, which is that the allegations themselves are a political strategy. And the strategy is to scare people, to make them think that elections are not fair, they're not safe, that fraud is determining the outcome. And therefore, that justifies new rules like voter ID laws. And it gives politicians like Chris Kobach, who are fighting for those laws, a potent wedge issue. All of it, the voter fraud crusade, the tough talk on immigration, his promise to cut taxes and protect gun rights, all of it has created a sort of kinship between Kobach and President Trump. Everybody get out and vote for my friend Chris Kobach on Election Day, please. Kobach says that Trump's endorsement of a Twitter in the primary may have keyed his extremely narrow win over Governor Jeff Collier. 
The president's subsequent trip to Kansas to deliver his endorsement in person could also be a factor in what is shaping up to be a very close general election. Well, a new poll shows Democrat Laura Kelly and Republican Chris Kobach in a, essentially a dead heat for the race for governor. That's according Polls to poll. showing Kobach and Laura Kelly tied at about 40 percent have also indicated that the Democrat would have about a four-point lead if independent Greg Orman wasn't in the race. Not surprisingly, a big part of Kelly's strategy has been to convince swing voters, mainly moderate Republicans, that a vote for Orman is really a vote for Kobach, and convince them that she's more in step with average Kansans than her combative and polarizing rival. Most of them are very common sense, they're pragmatic, and they just want good stewardship, good leadership, uh, and they're really not looking for the extremes. I think there's a lot of motivation right now, and, and we're going to see a lot of moderates coming out uh, to vote in this election uh, and voting for me because they want to get back to that common sense, uh, you know, salt of the earth uh, approach uh, to politics. Kelly likes to say Kobach is Sam Brownback on steroids, an even more extreme version of the former Republican governor whose drastic income tax cuts sent the state reeling. But Kobach says he's the salt of the earth candidate the one who's focused on improving the lives of everyday Kansans. And he says he's a different kind of conservative than Brownback, who he considers part of the Republican establishment. I believe in a more principled uh, conservatism, and it might be a little bit more populist in nature in the sense that uh, if you are concerned about protecting American workers against illegal competition, that's a populist point of view. That The country club Republican does not like that because the country club Republican wants his yard trimmed by cheap labor uh, and wants his uh, factory staffed by cheap labor. So um, it's more of a populist conservatism. Uh, I think another area where I've disagreed with the Brownback Collier uh, administration has been on uh, working for people in in the labor community. For example, on work comp. Uh, I've been working very hard to uh, improve our work comp system, which is unconstitutional right now, according to the Kansas uh, Court of Appeals. And I've pressed for legislation to fix this unconstitutional problem where some injured workers get absolutely no recovery whatsoever for their permanent impairment. So uh, I think a populist conservative brand might be the right a point there where, where you have a conservative who fights for the working man and woman. Um, that might be the right label, but again, it depends on how you use the terms. That gets us back to the conversation we had with author Thomas Frank in our first episode. He's the Kansas native who wrote the book, What's the Matter with Kansas, in the early 2000s, a book in which he described how, in his view, conservatives had appropriated populism from progressives and twisted it to serve their own political ends. I, I mean, it's, it's a kind of cultural formula where you speak to people's class-based grievances. And that's an important part of it, that it, it is class-based grievances. It is the average people, you know, blue-collar working people, the producer class versus this kind of parasite elite. Uh, and that is extremely powerful stuff. Now, it also happens to be, as I've said so many times, an illusion and self-damaging. And the conservatives have figured out a way to harness that anger without really doing anything about the, uh, uh, the you know, the economic basis mm -hmm. of the grievance about what's happened, what's actually happened. I mean, they make that much worse. That gets worse all the time. Uh, I don't agree with Frank. Now, Kobach isn't sure, but he thinks that he and Frank may have once mixed it up on the Kansas high school debate circuit, and he's ready to take him on again. You know, his 
thesis, as I understand it, is that people are voting against their economic interests. Um, you know, that's a, sort of a bizarre statement to make. Uh, the best measure of a person's economic interest is done by the person himself. Uh, uh, you know, some uh, pointy-headed intellectual can, can sit in a chair somewhere and say, no, that's not your true interest. You don't know what's good for you. Um, I, I think that's ridiculous. Um, economically speaking, you would uh, always say that the the buyer, the person in the marketplace, in this case, the marketplace of, of politics and voting, would know uh, which person, which candidate serves his interests. Uh, it, it's a classic elite uh, conceit that the um, the analyst, the author from outside can look at what those people really should be doing and tell them what their true interest is. And so, bottom line, you're a moderate Republican or independent voter in Kansas, not part of your famous Kobach base. What is your message to voters like that uh, who, who think somehow they have something to fear from you as governor? Look at my record. I've, the things that I have accomplished, I promised beforehand and I got them done. And, and I think the vast majority of voters who are in the middle would agree with them. Things like photo ID uh, and proof of citizenship for people registering to vote. Those issues poll very well with Kansans. We're talking 75, 80 85% support. Uh, if you look at what I'm talking about doing uh, as governor, we're talking about things that the vast majority of Kansans agree with. Uh, for example, um, cutting our very high sales taxes. We have the eighth highest sales taxes in America. Sales taxes are regress regressive. They have a greater impact on the poor than they do on the wealthy. And the vast majority of Kansans see that and agree that our sales taxes are too high. Um, having recorded committee votes so you know how your legislator votes. Lots of Democrats agree with me on that one, as well as people in the middle. Um, illegal immigration, stopping giving welfare benefits to illegal aliens. So, you know, I think if people look at the specifics, uh, they will say, yeah, actually, these are decent ideas. I agree with Kobach there. And at least I know with Kobach, he's not some mealy-mouthed politician who says one thing one day and says the opposite the next day and tries to make everybody happy. Will Kobach's brand of populist conservatism win the day? Or will Kelly's argument that Kansas needs a steady consensus builder after eight tumultuous years prevail? Chris Kobach would be just like Sam Brownback. Lots of fighting, only making things worse. The case for and against Laura Kelly. That's next time on My Fellow Kansans. My Fellow Kansans is a production of the Kansas News Service, a collaboration of public radio stations across the state. The podcast is written and reported by Jim McLean, edited by Amy Jeffries, and mixed by Matthew Long Middleton. The production team includes Beth Golay, Nadia Foe, Scott Cannon, and me, Grace Lotz. Primary color music composed our theme. Reporter Celia Yopis-Jepson contributed to this episode. This credit is her reward for weeks spent in court covering the trial over Kansas's voter registration laws for KCUR and NPR. Thanks to KCPT for producing that third district congressional debate in 2004. And special thanks to Neil Carruth of NPR and the NPR training team. If you liked this episode, leave us a review on iTunes. It helps other people find our podcast. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at KS News Service.